Anybody, anywhere can be a part of ministry. It's just a matter of being willing to hear when God's asking you to be a part of ministry, to love God by loving the people out there. But you know, when you're going to answer the call to ministry, there's two difficult things about that. Because I want you to, to hear the call to ministry, and I want you to say yes, but there's two difficult things about that. The first is the timing of ministry. Because seldom, if ever, is timing the right time to do ministry. Because everybody has busy lives, and we were discussing in Sunday school about the kinds of things that high school kids are involved in. I'm a very simple person. I could not handle the, things, the amount of things that they're involved in. And I know there's lots of busy people out there. I try to keep my life simple. But timing of ministry very seldom fits into those little time slots that we say, this would be perfect. The second thing about answering the call to ministry might be that you just feel like I'm inadequate. I don't have the skills to do this. I don't have the resources. I don't have the ability to do this because I just, I, the task is too hard. So you have bad timing, and sometimes you might feel like you're inadequate to accomplish the ministry. But I'm here to tell you as well that if you will attempt that ministry, that there is blessing. There's blessing for the people that you try to minister to, but there's also blessing for you who, who does the ministry. In Luke chapter 9, <clears throat> verses uh, 10 to 17, we're going to look at the disciples who find themselves as in an opportunity that's poor timing for ministry. They're given this monumental task that they have no idea how to accomplish it, and they, they begin to recognize that had we just attempted this, that I think there would be a blessing in this. So we're going to look and see, see that in the passage today in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. So the first thing we see is the timing of ministry. It says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Now last week, if you remember, we had the twelve disciples. And Jesus sent them out two by two into the surrounding villages to go and do ministry. They were supposed to heal the sick. They were supposed to cast out demons. People who are uh, suffering with disease are supposed to take care of those kinds of things. And so they have been gone out on a mission trip. And they're very, I think they're tired. I think they're very excited. They get back to Jesus. And guess what they want to do? They want to tell Jesus about everything that they have accomplished. And they get there, and you find out that there's a great big crowd of people. When Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, when he cast the demons out of that man, and they went to the pigs, Jesus got back in the boat, and he went back to the other side. Guess what was waiting for him? A great crowd of people. So the disciples... I think they're like, I've had my fill of people. We, we, we got to do our ministry. Now it's time for us to debrief. We get our, our time with Jesus, and we want to tell him exactly what we got to accomplish. And so Jesus, he recognizes all this. And if you put the other Gospels together, you find out that Jesus says, let's go get in a boat and let's cross the sea to a secluded place. This is probably exactly what the disciples want to hear. They want the chance to get away from the crowds. They want the chance to get with just Jesus to share with Jesus what they've accomplished. They're leaving all sorts of people behind, and they're getting in this boat. While they're, while they're in the boat, can you only imagine what they're trying to do? You know, you have 12 disciples who have been on different trips. How many people do you think are trying to talk to Jesus at one time? How many people, you have Peter and John, were not the same people who went with uh, Philip and the, uh, Thomas, and so you have all these people 
Everybody wants to talk. Everybody's excited about what they got to do. And then you have some people who are just thinking, thank you, God, that I'm in a boat. There's nobody possible around. Well, unbeknownst to the disciples, as they are in this boat trying to travel to some secluded place, the, the uh, commentary says it's about four miles by ship or by boat to get from point A to point B, and it's about eight miles by land. And so while they're slowly moving across the water to, where they're, to their destination, guess what all the people are doing? This great crowd of people that were, were excited to see Jesus, and Jesus left them, and the disciples said, see ya. All they, they say, we know where he's going. Because they must have overheard Jesus say, let's get in a boat, let's go to Bethsaida. And so they start running around the lake eight miles. And you imagine that this crowd is growing. This, this, this big group of people traveling around the lake, and then they're saying, hey, where are you going? Well, Jesus is here. And so by the time the disciples get to the boat, or, or get to the landing spot, guess what they're thinking? Uh, wait a second, you know what, we just left all these people. I don't want these people. We want someplace with, with just us. And I imagine they're saying, Jesus, uh, let's change course here. Let's get back in the boat and let's go somewhere else where nobody knows us because they just want time with Jesus. And Jesus looks at all these people and says, you know what, we're going to land here, even though it doesn't say it specifically in the Bible, but he looks at all these crowds of people as sheep without a shepherd. And he has compassion on them. Even though Jesus has been speaking back in this one town, he has all the disciples, and he's going to give these guys a break. He, he says, I have compassion on these people because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus lands the boat, and then he starts talking to the people. And there's a great big crowd of people. And he's, 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 he's talking to them. He's doing the same thing he asks the disciples to do. He's healing the sick people so that they can turn be well. And the disciples... Uh, they, they finally got, I think, to the point where they, they've had enough. They've had a very busy last several days where they've been doing lots of ministry. They finally get with Jesus, and they, they, I think they're just kind of at their, their max. You know, you ever get to the point where I just want to get away from everybody? I just, I just want to be with myself, nobody else around, right? You probably can experience that. You know, there's, there's things in our life that we, we can kind of relate to the disciples because we are busy people. You know, how many people went to work this week? That takes at least 40 hours. I've heard 50 hours. I've heard 57 hours. There's lots of hours of work that were taking up your time. We have family events, right? We have people over for dinner. We're going over to visit in other places. That takes time. You've got to get there. You're spending time with people. Basketball, right? How many basketball games were played this weekend? Well, at least eight, right? Because you had probably four on Friday or on Saturday, and you go watch the games. That takes time. And then if you happen to have house projects, boy, house projects, you know what? You can be busier than you can handle before you even know it, right? Now, imagine after of a day of, of going to work, of, of going to a basketball game, and you get home, how many people are excited to have company come over? How many people want, oh, Caleb is excited. How many people want to just shut the door, turn off the TV, shut Take the phones off the hook so nobody bothers you. Right, exactly. That's a lot of us, I'm sure. We're there, we're at home, we're supposed to be private. We all can understand what it's like to be busy like that. But the funny thing about ministry is it seldom, if ever, comes at a convenient time. Uh, just think of when you're driving home from work, uh, is it, is that, isn't that the best time to, to meet somebody on the road with a flat tire? 
right? They, they don't, it is never convenient for them to have a flat tire. It's not convenient for me to want to stop. I'm wearing my nice clothes. I'm, I'm tired. I was at work all day. I got to get food on the table, and there's somebody in need. Is that good timing? No. When does somebody call and say, I need someone to talk to? Is it when you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon with nothing to do, or is it on a weeknight where you've just had this busy day, and then somebody calls when it's late, and now it's time for me, and somebody wants to talk, or somebody needs help? Or, or doesn't, uh, when money's tight for you, isn't that just the time when someone says, hey, you know what, I, I, I have this financial situation where I could use some help, right? The timing of ministry, most of the time it stinks. For me, it doesn't really because I, that's part of my job. I get paid to do that. I try to keep a very simple schedule so that I can go here and I can go there and it's, it's not a big deal. But even for me, it can get to the point where it's not good timing because now I finally decided I'm going on a date or I'm going on, uh, we're, we're sitting down as a family and then the phone rings. So it's not even always convenient for me. Sometimes ministry, the timing of it stinks, but sometimes it also seems impossible. It seems like such a, a monumental task that I can't even complete this, this task. And that's what we find in the disciples, verses 12 to 14. It says, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowds away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and to the countryside and find some food and lodging. Because we're in a remote place here. And he replied, Hey, why don't you guys give them something to eat? And they answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for this crowd. About 5,000 men and women, or about 5,000 men were there. Now, if you think about uh, the disciples, they're, they're with this big crowd of people, and they, they're thinking kind of logically, because you have this great crowd of people. If there's 5,000 men, that means there's probably 5,000 women, and at least about 10,000 kids, because, I, I mean, their families were probably bigger than four people. So you might have 25, 30,000 people all gathered there. And if you're going to try to get these people away to give them food and a place to stay, you're going to have to think about this at some point when that's logically possible. I told you about when the, the disciples would go to a town and you might wait in the square until somebody would come and invite you in. Nobody's going to invite 30,000 people into their house, right? So you've got to get these people headed home so they can start taking care of their needs. But I think also they're like, okay, Jesus, we still want us time. We still want to share with you what we're doing. And what does Jesus tell them? Hey, guess what, guys? You feed them. Does anybody remember what the disciples had when they left? What the, yeah, Tristan thinks he knows. When they left, uh, last when Jesus sent them out on the missionary journey, guess what he told them to take? He says, don't take any extra, don't take a staff, don't take any extra clothes, don't take any bread, don't take any money. You're not taking anything with you. So just think about this logically. If Jesus is going to have all these people that he's going to, he wants the disciples to help, uh, what are they going to use to do that? They don't, they don't have any food. They don't have any money, even if they wanted to go to the surrounding villages to buy food for these people. But Jesus is saying, hey guys, why don't you take care of their needs? Which is not exa exactly what they were expecting. But think about how different this story could have looked like. Because in one of the, in John, Jesus is talking specifically to a man named Philip. And saying, hey Philip, why don't you provide food for these people? And just imagine what could, how this could have looked different. What if Philip would have said, okay, you know what, Jesus just sent us out to do miracles, to heal people, to cast out demons. Maybe we could do this. 
Maybe he could have done exactly the same thing Jesus did and said, hey, here's a boy with five loaves of bread and a couple small fish. I'm going to break these and start passing them out to people. And I, I almost guarantee you, had Philip tried, or one of the disciples tried to use whatever they had to uh, provide food for those people, I almost guarantee you that Jesus would have made it work. Because he told them to do this. And if they would have tried, they could have accomplished this monumental task, which is really impossible to do with absolutely nothing. But had they tried, I think that Jesus would have made it happen. Andrew, Peter's uh, brother, says, hey, we found this boy with five, uh, five loaves of bread and two small fish. And I picture a kid about Caleb's age, about eight years old. Now, how much do you typically give a kid that size? You know, you don't give them like even a loaf of bread and say, here, you eat this. You give them a small little roll, right? And he's got five of those. And he's got a couple of small fish. Guess what that was intended to feel? It was intended to feel Caleb's little tummy. Now, if you had even enough to fill big Caleb's tummy, and Sean, I still don't think you would have enough bread to feed 5,000 people, I think. I don't really know because they can probably eat a lot. I still don't think that would be enough. This was intended to fill a little boy's tummy. So, and so Andrew says, hey, Jesus, look, really, we don't really have anything here. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you guys sit down and I'll take care of it. Had Philip tried to do what, uh, what Jesus was asking him to do, I think you could follow this quote by Hudson Taylor that says, God's work done is God's way will never lack God's provision. Jesus was saying, hey, Philip, you feed these people. And I think Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't have left them hung to dry. He would have said, okay, I'm going to make this happen. And then he would have been able to, to do this miracle had uh, he even tried it. Now, this quote comes from a guy named Hudson Taylor who was a missionary to China. And he was at a, at a different loca location praying for 100 missionaries to go to China. And at, at some point he had about 31. And he, here's how it worked. When they would send people to China, he says, we always accept a suitable worker, somebody who would meet the qualifications of being a missionary, whether we have the, the funds for them or not. And then often we'd say, now your first task is to pray for the money to send you to China. That's the first thing. You want to be a missionary to China? We're going to pray and ask God to help you get the money to go to China. Then when they raised the money, they said when the, boat, when the weather was nice and it was the right time of year, we'd stick them on a boat and we'd send them to China. But guess what they had in their pockets? Maybe a few dollars. You know, we, we, get, we get missionaries, and we want to make sure they're fully supported or about 80% support before we send them to the mission field, but that's not what they did. They said, okay, we got somebody who's willing to go. We, we paid enough to get them on a boat and send them to China, and he says, we're going to trust God to provide the rest. And so by the time we get them there, hopefully we will have the money to help them have what they need. Anybody want to sign up for that? Not me. If I'm going to be a missionary to China or to anywhere else, guess what I want? I want funds in hand. I want to know what my daily or like what my monthly budget is going to be. And that's what, but that's not what they did. They said, we're just going to trust God that if he wants you to go, he's going to meet your, your needs when you get there. And that's exactly what Philip could have experienced or one of the disciples had they wanted to. But none of them had the courage to actually try that. You know, for, for us today, I don't know really what God's going to ask you to do. I don't know if it's going to be a task that's this big, like this little hurdle, or if it's going to be the mountain-sized task that we saw in the picture that you say, there's no way, it's impossible. How in the world are we going to do this? You know, he might ask you to leave on a long-term mission trip to Brazil. 
He might ask you on a short-term mission trip to Brazil with a chain of love for a whole week. And that, to be, that might seem like something this big, like, I don't see how it's possible. I don't see how I'm going to get the funds. I don't see how I'm going to get the time work off of work. I don't see how I'm going to get support from anybody to do this. But if God wants you to do that, guess what? God's going to make it possible. If he wants you on some long-term or something short-term, he may even ask you something else that seems like impossible. I've heard of, of different organizations where they, uh, they, they start a, a fund for, to feed the kids like in Montana. He might say, hey, guess what? That's what I want you to do. You think, I have no idea how to do that. I, 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 I've never fundraised in my life. I don't know how you would set up a, a pyramid of people working. I don't know how to accomplish anything like that. But guess what? If God asks you to do something, he's going to give you the, the chance to do it, and he's going to give you the ability to do it. All you have to know is right now this is what God's asking me to do. And then you just follow the steps that he gives you to accomplish it. His, his call for you is going to probably be about as unique as we are. You know, because in the Bible, you, don't, you have one guy who built a boat. You have uh, one guy who walked around and the walls fell down. Or the one guy who led those people. You have one guy who killed Goliath. All these stories and all these different events in the Bible were very rare. You didn't have people raising people from the dead everywhere. It did happen a few different times for different people, but it's, it's, it's as unique as you are. He may ask you to adopt. He may ask you to uh, go be on a short-term mission trip. He may ask you to, to start something bigger that we can't even think of because it's so big. But if God wants you to do something, he's going to give you the ability to do it. So, the timing of ministry might stink. It might seem like the worst timing in the world. The magnitude might be so big that you say, this is impossible. God, I don't see how you expect me to do this. I was never equipped with anything like this. I'm not good at this kind of stuff. He might say, hey, this is what I want you to do. But like I said, if you're willing to do it, there is a blessing. God will bless you if you're willing to be part of the ministry. Verses 14b through 17. So there's the 5,000 men, and he says, But have, he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50. And the disciples did so, and everybody sat down. They took the five loaves and the two fish, and Jesus, looking up to heaven, gave thanks, and he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So there's lots of blessing in this, this passage. We all, we all know kind of how the story turns out, that 5,000 men plus their families were given enough food to eat. Jesus had, he took what this little boy had and he kept breaking it and he kept passing it out to his disciples and said, here, you feed this group of 50, you feed that group of 50. It must have been a long day to try to get 550 to get to like 25,000 people. I don't know how, how that exactly works out, how possible that was as far as like time-wise, but he, he was able to accomplish that. But it never stopped until everybody had their fill. I almost brought up a piece of uh, loaf of bread. I was going to ask a kid, how, how many pieces could you break this into? They might say 5,000 or 50,000, but even if that was possible, guess how many people that's going to fill? It's still going to fill the same amount of people, right? It's only going to give everybody just a bite, but the, the bread that Jesus kept breaking, it kept multiplying. When he prayed and asked God to bless it, it didn't just magically appear millions and millions of little rolls. He wasn't pulling them out of his sleeve coat pockets because he was prepared. God just blessed it, and he kept providing for these people, and he kept providing for them over and over. So first of all, you have all the crowds of people who were given a free meal. They got to see a miracle. They got their tummies filled. 
And so they were blessed. But you also have the disciples, who are the ones I think should have been doing this miracle. Because really when a miracle happens, God uses people, and then he blesses them through it. Uh, the disciples, they had 12 basketfuls left over of bread and fish. Anybody have any crazy reason why there might be 12? Probably one for each disciple. And every bite that they took, they were reminded, guess how great our God is? Guess what we should have been doing? And it was a reminder to them, like to everybody else, how great God was. So the disciples were blessed, as well as all the people. And God, when he uses us, he blesses us as well. You know, uh, there's, there's different ways that he blesses us. Sometimes it's just with happiness. You know, when you, when you stop and you help someone on the side of the road, and you're like, oh, I don't really want to do this, but you stop and you do it, and that person is so grateful, how do you feel? We feel happy, right? That person feels happy, we feel happy. The person who calls in the middle of the night and they want to talk, and you feel good that you help them, right? And they feel ecstatic that you're willing to take the time to help them. There's a simple blessing of happiness. Sometimes it might lead to something bigger like salvation. Because when you stop and help someone on the side of the road, or you at the grocery store when they didn't have the money to pay for the groceries and you, you do that, that might develop a friendship. They might say, Nikki, why in the world were you willing to do that? And then she could say, you know what? It's because of Jesus. That's why. And it could develop into a, a friendship, into a relationship where people get saved. Now you might look at those and say, well, those are like, uh, yeah, sure, I, I feel good if I help people. Sure, somebody gets saved, but I'm not sure quite sure that that's worth it. But let me tell you, you know, another blessing is God will bless you. God, it, we're reading in, in the, the scripture reading how God's going to bless us for the things we do in our, while we're down here on earth. He's going to bless us up in heaven, and I realize it doesn't translate down here always. He doesn't say, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to give you a new car because you helped that person with a flat tire. He doesn't say, I'm going to keep you out of trouble because you helped somebody else. But the, the truth is, God's going to bless you. And I know I've said this before at different places, that you know, God doesn't say, hey, Josh, because you did this, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to give you a picture of what your treasure looks like now. Every time you do something for me, it's, it's growing bigger and bigger. And it, wouldn't that just encourage you to keep doing it, right? If, you're, if you got this big picture or big TV screen of what your treasures look like in heaven, wouldn't we be all day more encouraged to help people? But it doesn't work that way. We're just going to take it by faith that God's going to bless us if we're willing to love him by loving other people. That's a definition I give for ministry. You love God by loving each other, by loving different people. But there's, it's not always easy, like I said, to do, uh, to do that for other people. Does this picture look familiar? You guys remember that picture? It's a really cool story. I had a milk jug before I got techie enough to do a PowerPoint. And I had, a, I had a, a milk jug up here, and I, I told you a story about a guy who was, he, he went to a Bible study, and he wanted to know if God really answered prayer. And he says, God, if you're willing to speak to me, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And so this guy, as he's driving home, he gets this thought in his head, I should buy a gallon of milk. He's like, really? That's kind of odd. I guess I could use the milk. It's a simple step of obedience. So he bought the milk, and as he's driving home, he gets this feeling, I should turn down 7th Street. Okay, I'm going to drive down 7th Street. And as he's driving down 7th Street, it's getting darker, it's getting later, and all of a sudden he gets this thought, hey, you better stop and pull over. So he decides to stop, and, and he gets, you've got to go to this house and deliver this gallon of milk. And the guy's thinking, you've got to be crazy. It's not the best neighborhood, but it's not the worst, but it's dark. How many people are going to welcome that kind of, somebody walking up and saying, here's a gallon of milk? He said, okay, God, I'll do it. 
But if, if no one answers his door, I'm running. And I'm just, I'm just going to leave it. And as he gets to the door, he finally knocks on the door and he gets the courage. And he says, here, this is for you. When they answer the door, and the guy takes the milk and he starts speaking in a different language and he runs down the hall excited to his wife. And then she comes back and says, we've been praying for food for our baby. We've been praying for milk because budget was tight this, this month. We ran out of money. The little kid needs to eat. Are you an angel? And he, he's just overwhelmed by the fact that God was using him. So who's getting blessed by this? By his willingness to say yes, he's getting blessed. By his willingness to go, these people are getting blessed. And so he dumped out all the money he had and gave it to the people, and he left knowing that God answers prayer. So it's kind of a fun story, but I also think of, I think of us being here in the first place. Because even though we had tried to get here, and we had applied for the job and that kind of thing, when I look at, when I stop and I think about that in light of, of ministry and the timing of it, my ideal situation for going to a church would be in the summertime. Because then you move without the snow. And you have time for the, I was a youth pastor, it gives them time to get another youth pastor so that the church can stay established and keep going without this big interruption in the middle of the year. But guess what? It didn't happen. It happened a year ago today, I mean yesterday, that we came here to Plevna. And it was totally, I would never pick November. Because, I, like I said, I want, I want my kids to be in school. We're already getting ministry established for the year. I don't want to travel in the weather time. But God says, you know what, Josh? This is when I want you to go. I want you to go here. And he says, here, Josh, you don't realize it yet, but this is a bigger task than you think it is. Because I grew up in a uh, pastor's home. I should know really what's entailed. You know, I'm like thinking, uh, I'm going to preach every Sunday, which to tell you the truth, I never preached two times in a row unless it was the same message. So trying to come up with preaching a new message every single week is a monumental task. It's getting much easier as I go. But, you know, it's turned out to be a blessing. I mean, I, I couldn't be home in Davenport right now with a wood stove. And I could have all my wood stacked up for the whole winter. And believe me, I miss those kinds of things today. But I, I could have been there with my fenced yard. And I could have had all these worldly blessings. It could have been nice. It was my house. It had new French doors. I could do anything I wanted without worrying about anything. Because it was mine. And it would have been nice, but God says, I want you to go. The timing seems like odd to you. You don't realize how monumental this is. But if you go, Josh and Leslie, you guys are going to be blessed. And let us tell you, we feel very blessed to be here. I feel like this was exactly where we're supposed to be. And God says, I'm going to bless you because you went. Hopefully you feel the same way. And you're blessed as well. But we feel blessed just for the fact of saying, yes, we'll go. And so it does... It does mean a lot to me, this message does, because I know saying yes to doing things 700 miles away or, or five minutes away or uh, stepping away from my family at dinner time can be a big deal. But if you're willing to say yes, God will bless you. But who's going to make that decision for you, whether or not you're going to say yes or no? I mean, I'd love to come to your house and pick up your phone and start saying, hey, here you go, when somebody calls. But I can't do that. You know, uh, when God puts that thought in your head that maybe I should do X, Y, or Z, or I should go X, Y, or Z, I don't know what's inside your brain. And even if I did, I can't make you do anything. I can't even make my own kids clean their room. I can tell them, he does not bad, but I can't physically grab his arms and make him do it. I, it's his choice. It's our choice if we're going to answer when ministry calls. Are you willing to answer when ministry calls?
The choice is up to you. It's going to be lousy timing most of the time. It might seem monumental. You might think, I'm incapable. I don't have the skills to do this. I don't have the resources. And you might not right now. But if God wants you there, God's going to bless you with the ability to do that. And when it gets hard, you know, I, I, I just want to remind you about Jesus. Because when ministry called, he was willing to go. And you might look and say, well, Jesus, what, what, what are you bringing up Jesus for? But it, I don't think it was good timing for him when he came down here on earth. Now, according to prophecy, it fit in perfectly. According to what was predicted in the Bible, it was perfect timing. But how many people think it's good timing to come down to earth and die on a cross? I don't think there's ever a good time for that. But Jesus says, I'm willing to do it because I love you. And it, the task of him coming down to this earth and dying on a cross is a monumental thing. It's, it's not an easy task to let somebody beat you and spit on you and put nails through your hands and hold you on a cross until you die. That is a monstrous task that was set before Jesus, but he said, I will do it. And guess who was blessed because of this? First of all, everybody who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior was blessed, because I know I got heaven guaranteed for me when I get there. When I die, when I get to heaven, I have a guarantee of salvation. And so I'm blessed. And I know the people who are persecuted around the world, the only reason they're willing to stand up for their faith and endure what they're going through is because of Jesus. But you know what? Jesus was also blessed in this because he says, I love you. I created you. I wanted a relationship with you. And you guys can't do this on your own, and so I'm going to make it possible. And so I'm going to come down to this earth. And then if someday we're going to have heaven and with, with Jesus forever. He's going to be happy with us. Even if we don't understand how, we're going to be happy. Everybody's going to be blessed because Jesus was willing to answer this call to ministry. So I want to challenge you, the next time you get a chance for ministry, even though the timing's lousy, even though you don't feel like I can handle this, or I don't know how big this is and what's, how much it's going to cost me, be willing to say yes, because God will bless you if you do. You will be blessed, and the people that you try to minister will be blessed as well. God's going to call, and maybe he already is. Maybe right now you're feeling like, yeah, I know I should be out there. It's unique to you. Are you willing to say yes if he's calling you? To, this, to, to ministry. I just pray that you're willing to say yes when he does. Let's pray and ask God to help us to, to answer that call. Dear God, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for your salvation. God, that you, have, that you said it was worth it, God, to, to come down to this earth, to die on a cross, to pay for our sins so that we can have eternal life. I praise you for that. God, thank you for answering that call to ministry, God, and I know everybody in here is different, God, and you have a different call of ministry for each one of us. God, I know the timing, for whatever reason, God, you say, you, you pick times where they're not really convenient for us, probably to make us decide we want to choose you over what we want in this life. I just pray that you'd help us to say yes to, the, to, the, to ministry when you call us to it. And God, I know a lot of these tasks we cannot accomplish without your help. We need your help, and so you're not expecting us to do it on our own. Please help us to see that with your help is possible. Even if we don't see how it's possible, please help us to turn to you and to say yes. And God, I pray that we would be blessed. I pray that down here on earth we would see the blessing in other people that we minister to, but we'd also feel your blessing down here on earth as well, and knowing that you're going to bless us up in heaven as also. Thank you, God, for, for your faith that you, you've given us so we could have salvation. I thank you for your trust in us that we could be even uh, capable of fulfilling the call to ministry that you gave us. Please, God, just help us to say yes and have the courage to be persistent in it. In Jesus' name, amen.